certainly have fears that there is a serial killer at loose in Perth. Sarah Spears, Jane Rimmer, Kira Glennon. And every time you saw a young girl walking by, you think, oh, God, is she going to be the next victim? Now, one man stands accused. If police are right and Edwards is the Claremont serial killer, he's been hiding in plain sight for 20 years. Hello, Natalie Bongiolo with you and welcome to this bonus episode of Claremont in Conversation. It's Monday 2nd of March and a public holiday here in Western Australia, so court isn't sitting, but we are. Now, many of you are interested in the court process and how journalists operate, so we're taking this opportunity to have a short chat to our very own Tim Clark and Alison Pham. Between you, you have decades of court experience. We're not <laughs> going to say how many years. It's a lot. Uh, what is the question you get asked most about your jobs? Um, this trial, it's how do you keep up with all the DNA evidence, get your head around all the letters and numbers. Um, but generally, people want to know about the gory stuff and how you stomach it um, because you do see a lot of things that no sort of real other sort of workaday person that doesn't do this job would see, crime scene pictures and... And, and and certainly hear a lot of things that um, you know your, your, your normal member of the public who's not a court watcher or in the police or you know one of those emergency services might hear. Um, and it's a it's a good question actually. You 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 build up a sort of immunity to it over the years, I suppose, Ali, and 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 learn to um, deal with it in your own way. Um, well, you're telling a story, I think, and what you're assessing it as is not looking at some of the gore, but you're mm-hmm. assessing um, what it means as far as the story goes. Now, obviously, Tim with print is going into a lot more detail than a television reporter who maybe has only got a minute to tell the story. So we bang it right, boom, 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 straight up in a minute. We can only just really touch the surface of it. But really, as much as you would put in um, to someone coming home and the dinner table saying, hey, what happened today? And you'd tell them in 30 seconds what happened today. And I find that what most mums and dads want is something that they can digest easily Mm. over their dinner. Mm. So that's the difference between a TV reporter. But this particular trial has drawn an extraordinary um, amount of interest, so much so that just yesterday my physio from my gym, who's sort of watching my hips grow bigger by the day because I'm just sitting all day, (laughs) she came in because she had an interest in in somebody who was involved in the case. So this particular case is is not like other murder trials, which usually only involve family, uh, family of the victim, family of the perpetrator, and maybe a few others. This has got such an extraordinary spread of interest. Mm. Ali's point there about you're obviously doing it for an audience. I, I always think of myself as the eyes of the, you know, for people who can't get to court, don't know how to get to court, don't really want to get to court. Um, it's always important to be... Um, you know the 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 viewer for them, uh, um, but you also have to break it down into understandable language, obviously, and palatable language. And particularly for Ali, I mean, there are there are very strict rules about what you're allowed to broadcast in terms of those sort of nastier elements to murders. But even in print, I mean, you you, you can go a bit further, but you use your words to try and um, tell the story without really shocking people. Unless it really is a shocking case, and um, and this is one of them. I, I, I've done quite a few in Perth and my old life back in the UK. And sometimes when it really is a shocking case, you have to you can't you, you can't 
um, blunt it or dilute it too much because that wouldn't be doing justice to the case, to the victims of the case, to the families of the victims in the, in the case. And also you've got a responsibility by law to do a fair and accurate report, contemporaneous report of what you're hearing. So if you, if you, dil- if you dilute it too much, then you, can, you might get in trouble yourself because you're not actually representing exactly what was said in court. So it's a, it's a, it's a balancing act, I suppose, between not wanting to um, disgust people or shock people, even though some of the material you have to sort of um, communicate is disgusting and shocking, um, but also doing justice to the to the justice system and, and, and getting over what is what was said in court um, as accurately as you can. When you leave court that day and you go home, do you leave it behind, some of those really gory aspects? Yes, I do. Um, although some of the things I'm watching on Netflix are probably 50 <laughs> times worse, but it's a completely different scene. And talking back to the newspapers, get away with a lot more than we can on mm. television because we've always been governed, right, that this is the children's hour, they're still up, um, anything before 7.30. Uh, and we are far more self-regulatory as far as um, horrific details go yeah. um, than the papers and we have to we and to the point of sometimes we do sanitize stories and it it does distort them when we can't use some of the more um i guess intimate details and describe how bad that rape was we just we can say it's a horrific rape but when you get down to the nitty gritty we are actually sanitizing it well even in this case um mm. the the actual physical acts we haven't got into um too much because Sometimes you, you know, you you don't you you don't want to um, for various reasons, but mostly for particularly the the living witnesses in this case. Um, they, I mean, we know we know they they're aware of what we're doing because they see us in court every day when they're there. So, you know, as I say, there's a lot of there's a lot of things you have to weigh up. Um, um, when you when you are reporting on all these type of cases, but particularly this case, um, to try and get the balance right between inf- information um, and you know sensitivity and you know just being a good human as yeah. well. I mean, you don't want to overly distress anyone when there's no need to to tell the story. Yeah. And your question about leaving it at home or leaving it out of home. Now, I certainly consciously try to um even though my wife is is, is for, for the last four months is is you know plugging me for information I, I i i've got younger children than ali and i don't particularly want to bring that mm. um before them uh, they know what they they know what i do um they they know roughly the the type of things i write about um but I, I wouldn't really want to have those details in any in any shape or form um, over the dinner table. Literally, when that's when we usually have our have our conversations as a family, um, because I just don't. I, I you know, it, it doesn't help me. I don't think it'll help them. They they have a rough idea of what I do, but they don't need to go into the nitty gritty. So I, yeah, I, I try and consciously leave it behind. But there are some cases and some nights that it's just impossible Mm. Um, and you do take it home with you and you do feel it Um, and that's when it's um, uh, it's important to have um, good family that you can talk to and and friends that you can sometimes you know have a beer with or or a chat with and just say oh yeah it's just been a shocking week and this has happened and that has happened once again not really gone to the nitty-gritty but just be able to vent a bit 
and also the people that you sit with in court. Um, we're lucky enough at the West to have two other full-time court reporters. Uh, you know, not many other newspapers in the country would have those, apart from the real big ones. And then, you, well, I mean, we were talk, jokingly talking about the opposition particularly in the last three, four months, we've all sat together in court and in the media room. And um, you, you naturally get close because you're doing the same thing, you're doing the same job for just for slightly different people. So you share amongst yourselves as well, which has been, um, which is one of the things I've learned most over the over the journey is that, yeah, they, they, um, they're your rivals in, in inverted commas, but um, you know they're also doing exactly the same thing Quite a different um, quite a different um, case this one though, isn't it? Because yes. it's so technical, yeah. so scientific, um, so much paperwork. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you literally do. I mean, you, you know, you've got the maybe the media image of the media, like Spotlight, or you know, um, you know that breakfast news rivalry or something like that. In in a case like this, when you're all spending so much time together. It, it's it's exactly the opposite, to be honest. Yeah. You're, you're you're swapping notes, you're swapping ideas. I mean, you know, you know, if you've got a really good line that you think you've got to yourself, you know, your professional sort of um, rivalries do kick in a little bit. But um, on the whole, you're you're checking with each other. Did I hear that right? Did you get that note? Did you get that quote? Um, and you know, and the, the tally's the same. Doing slightly different roles, but you know, just you're all listening to the same material so um well you're sharing a very extraordinary and unique experience together yeah and so you yeah. have to develop within that this camaraderie because you need to lean on one another and support one another through this process i think so I, i'd like to hope so anyway um, um um a lot of the journos are you know, you you know them anyway. You know, you you you, you work together mm. on different stories, and then court is a, a little niche within that, and you know each other. Um, well, you're, you're absolutely mm. right now. I mean, it, it, we'll, we'll, I doubt any of us will go sit through every day of a six-month trial again, particularly not on this scale of of, of interest, because um, the way the media works is you very very rarely have an editor that will give you the time to cover a story every day of, of this length. But um, I think we're the only two, as far as the Western Seven, that's religiously following it every day with a designated reporter. Well, M. Moulton is day. yeah, M. Moulton is doing the live yes. blogging for us. Yeah. There's another live blogger on another the website. ABC have three. The there. ABC have had three um, reporters the there every day. And, out. and then yeah, 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 Ali's right. But, well, they've um, actually seven have chosen. Well, as I said, I'm just doing it. That's all yeah. I'm doing. And when it finishes, I finish. <laughs> you never it finish, might finish you off, <laughs> going, yes. You'll be reporting forever. I did run up the stairs today as a bit of exercise. <laughs> um, uh, people often want to know how you go approaching uh, key players within the courtroom for interviews and mm. the competitiveness that sometimes surrounds that when there is a key player and um, how long it might take you to establish the relationship and how do you st establish the relationship to get it to that point where that person will sit down and do an interview for with you for the paper mm. or for the television? I think it's a respect and a familiarity with the person. Um, like anything, as I said, whether you're getting a plumber or an electrician, you get someone who might recommend or know the name that's the same with the reporter they know your name they've seen you cover something that you tend to get one story that follows on through another one sometimes that connection lasts for decades mm. um, and it's quite interesting as I said it just approaching whether you get a tradie or whatever it's someone who's been referred on or you know the name if you heard the name that's as far as getting an interview go with somebody I mean that 
one a gunman who was on the loose rang me uh, and came in and he don't. It turns out he picked me because I'd done a story about a firebreak ten years earlier, mm. and that was it. He just remembered a name. So that's really all it is: a familiarity and ho- hopefully respect that they'll do something that um, the right thing by them. Yeah, I, um, this case is 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 out of the box, but mm. the, generally speaking. I find the way you approach people um, that really first impressions do last sometimes, particularly with um, families um, of victims or accused. Sometimes, um, if I've always found that if you go just barreling in with your notebook flying around and you know pen and you know it, it doesn't really get you far. It might get you a curt yes or no, but it won't get you. But if I've always found if you approach someone a little bit more gently, um, maybe not even have your notebook or your phone or your, your recorder visible, you know, just introduce yourself as a you know as a person in the court. I'm I'm here to cover it. Um, it's going to be in the paper or on the TV or on the radio or whatever. And if you want to have your say or you, if you if you feel like you need to say something, then you know here's my card. Give me a ring. Um, as I say, a little sometimes, as I've said before, you are approaching a person and a complete stranger, or you're a stranger to them at least, on the worst day of their lives. On the worst day of their lives, if they've seen someone they've loved has died, whether it be in an accident or through, um, you know, foul play or whatever, um, that is the worst day of their lives. And and conversely, if you've just seen a, someone close to you convicted of a serious crime. Um, that is also a very, very traumatic experience. Then most people aren't used to courts, not used to lawyers, judges, and certainly not media approaching them. Um, and what you'll find, particularly in in cases involving road deaths and things, they're just absolutely normal people, just like you know, your neighbour or your, your your auntie or whoever. Um, and they are thrust into this system that they, they they trust people to get them through it. And sometimes they feel a little bit very anxious. Um, but Ali's right. If you approach someone in the right way and you do the right by them, or, or they, or, then those those connections last a lot longer. I've got a lot of people um, in my phone who email me about now and again that you know you've written about, or you've written a family member about, in sometimes in horrific circumstances, who remember that you've that you treated them nicely, that you, you wrote a story that they they at least respected was was fair and accurate, um, and they they sometimes just contact you out of the blue to say how are you going or I'm doing this or I'm doing that and um, so it can it can lead to I wouldn't say friendships but certainly um, connections with people that um, that you wouldn't ordinarily make and you you'd you'd hope you could keep um, because sometimes because it helps them I think more often than not when people turn up to court they're really unprepared for the media aspect they they that comes as a surprise to them quite often they don't expect it they're not sure why you're there they're thinking you shouldn't be there mm. and i think for court reporters you're obviously reporting the facts but sometimes the people don't like those facts that are being read out in court. I don't so, think it's the reporters. I think it's the cameras that agitate yes. people. Yep. So how do you um, deal sometimes with that negative mm. feedback that you might be getting? And I know, you know, it's that thing, well, you are just doing your jobs. Mm. Yeah, but that, I mean, you can say that till you're blue in the face, but it's still, 
you know, you you can tell it 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 doesn't help. It's it, it makes the day or the the week or the month or however long it was a more stressful environment. Um, and you, I mean, if you, it's it comes with experience, but it also you know, as a reporter, any reporter, you get good at reading body language, you get good at reading cues, verbal cues, um, and visual cues from people whether they they're ready to be approached, they don't want to be approached at all. And sometimes you'll just go, no, uh, that ain't going to work, and we'll just have to leave it, or maybe try again later, or even if it's just a, look, I know, you, I, I, I get you don't want to talk now, here's my card, if you want to ring me, it's there, or would you mind if I took a number and I'll give you a call later if they're obviously visibly upset. Um, and you're right, Nat, you get, you get very get very negative people. <laughs> um, you, you, I mean, you know, there are... They, it can get pretty, pretty, um, pretty full on sometimes outside court. Um, and Ali's right, cameramen because they are the because they are physically holding something and actually they you're fil- why are you mm. filming me? Mm. Mm. Um, the report uh, sometimes is is just is just the peripheral vision, and it's the camera or the photographer that they focus on because they're actually doing something and there's you know color and movement and. and, and Sometimes you do have to just get in the way or edge the cameraman out of the way a little bit, maybe, um, if you feel that, 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 that there's going to be physical contact, because you never want physical contact. Well, as a print reporter, Ali used to work for Today Tonight. That was the... You, 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 a bit of, phys- bit of physical contact <laughs> never went astray there. The old before's outside the court. That's a different medium. Yeah. But, you, I mean, I, look... I don't think you'd ever try and get into a fight with a no. family of a victim or Not, something no, like different that. Different circumstances, add, yeah. Bad guys, fraudsters, you do know, all that. Yeah, you know, yeah, if they want to kick yeah. off, well, that's up to yeah. them. But um, you want to ask them the questions. Well, you don't want them to slip down true. the street and run away and and not be asked well, the questions. Well, that's true, because uh, particularly well, television. you know that, Nat. You've yeah. chased a few down the streets <laughs> yes. around yeah. the place. Yeah. It's a television a much more visual yeah. medium, so you need the pictures to, to make the story or, or certainly go with the story, whereas print, I mean, you, you as you say, you're, you're working on your words a little bit more. We don't chase Victims down there. We chase politicians down and the baddies. And bad politicians, particularly, get a real (laughs) long chase. Then all the way down to George's Terrace and up the hill. And at the end of the day, you're wanting an answer, and you're wanting an answer for the viewers and the and the readers. Yeah, and 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 sometimes, you know, the victims as well. They they, they'll get in touch with you pre-case and say, look, this guy's coming up for a trial. Would you cover it? And you know, if you get to talk to him, ask him this or ask him that. You know, because sometimes they, particularly in Sex crime cases, um, you know, sometimes victims do feel a little bit voiceless. They, you know, they they will get questioned, but they, you know, the, the prosecutors will do their job, obviously. But, you know, you don't really want get to ask the questions you'd want like to ask. And sometimes they say to reporters, "Well, can you ask him this for me?" And you know, sometimes you're very happy to oblige. <laughs> yeah. Um, after doing it this long, do you both still love it? Do you love sitting in court and, and hearing these cases? I enjoy it um, because it's like um, I'm watching or reading a, um, a mystery that I just want to see what's going to happen in the next chapter of those involved, um, what they did. And so each day when I think it's just going to perhaps bog down into more technical stuff, I'm surprised at what pops up. Um, that's given us a story pretty well every night. Now, we've been covering it, what, we're going into week 13. That's right. And there's probably only been a handful of nights that I haven't filed Mm. um, when there's been bigger stories around. um, But I was surprised because I really thought 
we were only going to be filing for the first couple of weeks and then it would completely die off. But now we're hearing all this contamination. It's just revived um, and it's pretty bad for our path west, mm. um, the contaminators. I mean, we I, I know everybody's um, got problems with, with things, but this is an exact science and it was a very high-profile case and we're, we're hearing stuff like that like from, yeah. from last week um, where it just kept coming and coming. So... Yeah, and so we will hear more of that when court resumes tomorrow. What's on the agenda tomorrow? Um, so, Mr. Egan, Scott Egan, who's the reporting scientist in this case, um, will be back on the stand. His evidence in chief is still going, um, so he's got a bit to go there. And then he will be cross-examined. Um, he was forewarned um, that it, that will take at least a day. Mr. Yovich is going to spend. So, um, uh, yeah, I, ho- I hope he's. Uh, I hope he's taking his vitamins because I think he's going to have a, feisty, get a few yeah. curly questions um, and then uh, yeah and then, and then we will take a break by the sound of it we're going to have a couple of days off while Mr Jovic um, uh, gets his head together um, in terms of fibres but that wasn't that wasn't his well it sort of was it was a collaborative thing because uh, Jonathan Whitaker, who we talked about quite often uh, FSS top man LCN guru um, he's on on a flight to Perth next Saturday, we've been told. So um, he will land. And there's also another overseas witness, um, Susan Vintner, who is from uh, another lab in New Zealand. So after Dr. Whitaker's finished all his stuff, which will be, he is the reporting scientist for the um, fingernails. So, so we'll actually get to see the analysis and see the comparisons and actually hear him how, he, you know, when that popped up and his call to Laurie Webb to tell everyone what, what they found. And then Susan Bintana will talk to the um, statistics around that find where we've heard 80 to 100 million to one against that it's anyone else but Mr. Edwards. Um, and then that will be the DNA portion of the trial done. And then we will go straight into fibres then. Um, and that's what the two days off next week will be about, is um, Mr. Jovich um, getting all his ducks in a row for all his um, for all his cross-examinations to come. So a shortened week next week, but I think it'll be a, a juicy one. I think I think Ali will be filing. I'll have to put my jackets on again. Yeah, I think <laughs> Ali will be filing every day, as I will. Well, we do have a very, very long way to go still. Thank you both so much, and thank you for really explaining to people exactly um, how you go about your day and also just that bit of a personal insight into what it's like to do what you do and to take that home and to live with that. It's quite interesting, I think, um, for all of us. So we'll be back tomorrow for day 55 of Claremont in Conversation and we hope to have your company then. This podcast was produced by Kate Ryan and Alicia Preedy and recorded in the studios of Seven West Media. Audio files were provided from the archives of the Seven Network and the West Australian. Sign up for daily emails and all the latest on the Claremont trial at thewest.com.au.